Welcome to Point Your Toes, The Adventures of an NYC Dance Teacher. I'm your co-host, Danielle Colangelo. And I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. This podcast is all about the adventures that Danielle and I have as dance teachers and choreographers living here in New York City. We'll be sharing our experiences and all the ridiculous and hilarious truths. However, to keep the identity of the students and companies we worked for safe, we won't be mentioning any by name, and if we do, they will be changed. That being said, let's get into today's topic, typecasting and favorites. So this idea um, was sparked off of, I'm currently in the spot where I have to decide who gets scholarship money out of several of my students for summer programs and things like that. And um, of course, we ha they'll have an audition and like, we'll see, you know, we'll put them through the rigmarole. But me and a couple other teachers that see these kids nonstop. You already know. Kind of we have to make the decision and we already know. And we yeah. kind of emails were sort being traded and text messages about it. And someone was like, but aren't we playing favorites? Mm -hmm. And one of the one of the other teachers was like, no, we're not. And then finally I was kind of like, yep, yeah, we, we are. Like, we are playing favorites. Mm -hmm. I don't want to deny it. We are playing favorites. But why is this person our favorite versus the other people? And do the other people have this quality yeah. that is causing us to play favorites? So like yeah. we kind of broke it down. And that led us to... Yes, we are playing favorites, but it's for a reason. Mm -hmm. Or at least we found in our particular situation it was for a reason. Um, so that's kind of the first thing I want to start yeah. with. Like, why does it happen? I think, and I think that, um, yeah, there's like almost like, it's almost like a twofold favorites because oh, yeah. I think that if you have your favorites, we'll talk in terms of like students or people you would cast in a show oh, yeah. or a piece. So you have your favorites because you know that you can trust them. They're yes. going to remember choreography. They're yes, going to work yes, super yes. hard. They're going to be professional. And when they go to perform something, it is a reflection on you as the choreographer and the teacher, and you know that they'll do a good job. Because that... I think that it's okay yeah. to do that as <clears throat> long as if someone new walks into the room and they're just as good or almost as good or even better, you also give them the chance. But it's when yes. you start to neglect the people who are just as good or can be just as good or even sometimes better but you're like man but like jane over here is my favorite so i'm not even gonna pay attention to you i think that's, that's when it becomes a huge problem yeah because i know when i think of like why i think you brought up a good point first of all like if i'm a choreographer like a non-student if i'm not choreographing for students it's gonna boil down do i know this dancer like what does their resume look yeah. like do they know anyone that i could call like yeah. i'm it may seem like I'm playing favorites because I picked the same, you know, certain choreographers pick the same five dancers. But when I've worked with several dancers for 10 plus years, I'm, I know what they're going to do when they're tired. I know, I know that I can put them into this billion dollar production and not be concerned. Or, you know, I know that this person can handle, like actually in the city it happens a lot where someone gets sick or someone goes out and it's like, hey, we need you to learn a whole show in a weekend. Can you mm -hmm. do it? Not every dancer has that potential. Like, that's a certain very specific talent you'll find, especially in the music theater world, for swinging and covering. So, like, if I know a dancer has done Paquita 60 times in their life, yeah, I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm picking you over everybody else because I, I know that you've I done Paquita, yes. so you can do this in your sleep. Yeah, you know? and I think, I think it just comes down to, like, you know, being aware that if someone new walks in the room who's awesome, giving them the chance, but... 
And I, I get it. I get it because I've mm-hmm. been on both ends oh, of it. Oh, yeah. I've, I've definitely been on both ends. I've casted and I've chosen favorites to do certain parts. I've been the favorite and that. not yeah. the favorite, too. And then, I've been in the, and then I've been in a situation where I have I was the dancer, you know, when I was younger. And I didn't get picked. And I knew, I knew I didn't get picked because somebody else liked someone better than me. Mm-hmm. So it's like, is it... It's like it's weird. It, being at, like doing the whole favorites thing is like definitely a twofold because it's easy for you to go with what you know and what you trust. But then also I do understand where it blocks other people. Yeah, new people because we've all been in that situation where we haven't gotten picked and we know we haven't gotten picked because we're not a quote unquote favorite. And it's one of those things of and I say this from the side of like someone that has picked favorites before. Another reason why I know for me and I was talking with this about Jane with this to Danielle before we started recording was that sometimes we're crunched for time. Like, especially yeah. like me and Danielle teaching big programs where like sometimes we think we have more time and then we get yeah. an email being like, you have a week, you know, or they put class. We talked about this before the show classes get pulled. You won't see them for weeks at a time, yeah. you know? And so if I'm, if I'm down to a crunch, like I'm, I'm really bad about doing this. And I some people love it, some people don't. If I'm choreographing a big piece and I know that I'm running out of time, I will save 30 seconds out of the dance and put a solo in the middle of it, in the middle of it, and loop back around to another section that they yes. already know or an easy piece. So that random solo, I'm gonna give to a favorite. Yeah. Because I know that I can either one, convince mom and dad to give me an extra hour with this child to finish that solo, or for one of my classes, I this is like two, three years ago. I had one girl where I'm like, I knew I would not have time for a minute to put, to choreograph that last minute. So I literally like strung, she, she was a ballet kid. So Tom Bay, Potter Beret, Jatay, you know, like I just threw terms at her, mm-hmm. got it. And she like blasted it across the floor. It became this amazing solo. It was all good and everything. Now she's at LaGuardia yeah. living her best life. But she, because she was taking ballet at an outside studio and taking ballet at the company we were at and taking jazz with me and modern with me, I knew that these terms were easily in her vocabulary and I wouldn't have to explain, you know, take out the extra three side if you yes. don't need it for the jeté. You right. know, I didn't have to explain those terms to her versus I had other kids who can do those things, but I would have to demonstrate or refresh their memory and I just was, yeah, and sometimes I was cramped for time. So I went with the favorite and I, again, I got challenged on that by parents and students. And I was like, this is what I was up against. This is why I did it. Yeah. What would you have done in my situation? Well, I even had the situation where um, I had a dance conference through work for the kids. Mm-hmm. So each teacher got to pick, select five kids from mm-hmm. their school and their program and invite those five, those five kids to this big dance conference where they were taught um, by professional performers and choreographers in the city that are working and it was held kind of convention style and it was awesome nice. experience right but so I could only choose five they gave they told everyone you can only pick five so I picked my five and yep. I did have some other no parents came up to me but I did have some kids go well how come so-and-so wasn't yep. um, invited like they didn't know about it and then you know the and kids being kids oh I was talking to my friend about it and they didn't like how come they weren't invited oh, yeah and it's especially hard to explain to a kid that like when I know what's about to happen, that you're about to take four, three to four hours of classes, right. convention style, back to back, I know I need to pick the kids who can also do it, who won't, yes. you know, crap out in the middle and start crying because they're frustrated and they're tired and they're hungry, but exactly. the ones that can endure it and have that stamina. And 
do they so happen to be my kids I pull for other things? Yeah, sometimes they do, but that's part of the reason why. Not just because they are I the favorite quote, those other like factors. them, oh, no. but because yeah. there's, there's other factors. I, I know they're up for the challenge of doing different people's choreography. I know they're going to be smart and respectful and professional of all the adults and the other kids they've never met in that room. Right. I know they're going to try and they're not going to go, I want to sit down. Whereas I have other students who I love and are very talented, but when things start to get hard, they completely freak out. Yep. And I can't have, I can't bring that to something that's an invitation only. Right, and well, and also like you brought up a point when like sometimes it is like I only get to choose five or I only get to choose two. Like I know in particular, I did a, a summer program when I was in college where um, Governor's Honors Program. It's an amazing program that I. Th- think is still going on. I know it was running into some money trouble a few years ago, but they like ex- shortened it by like a week or two and kept it going. Mm-hmm. And it's like college for six weeks, essentially. You know, um, you audition or interview for your major mm-hmm. and then they pick. Each school in the entire state of Georgia can send two students and then you go through county and then you go through regionals. Yeah. You have to get passed on. To, like I said, my high school, everyone had theater. So not even out of my high school, you could send one guy, one girl. Well, you could send two people, and it was typically one guy, one girl. Right. That's how they did it. But, like, at my high school, getting picked was also a huge thing. But then after making it to state and having those interviews or auditions, 30 theater makers were chose. 30, yeah, 30 theater, 30 dance. I think at English chose, like, 80. Like, the academics could pick larger, but, like, the arts... We were building a show. They're not picking 80 people for a show that you have to build right. off that group. So, like, when it when it came time to pick, I remember, again, this is one of the situations where I was a favorite and I was chosen to go. Like, and I remember, like, the backlash from being like, why was he chosen over me? He didn't do all four of our main stage shows. Or, like, like it was just a lot of, like, catty animosity that, like, at the end of the day, my director, literally, she sat down with all of us and was kind of like, I chose him because, one, I know if he gets it, he's going to take it. Mm-hmm. Two, it is six weeks, and it's hard. She's like, I've sent kids, and again, I knew the person that went before me. I even know the person that went after me. Mm-hmm. And the person that went after me, when the group that was, like, I went back, it was my senior year of high school. And so you go as juniors, typically. Mm-hmm. Juniors or seniors, but typically juniors. And the juniors were asking me about it, and they were like, who do you think we should go? Do you think I should audition? Do you think she'll recommend me? I said, she'll recommend all of you because you all are enough. Will you make it past count? I said, honestly, I told one guy, I said, I don't think you should do it. I don't think you're going to like it. Mm-hmm. And he was so angry. Like, he did not forgive me until we were both in college. Like, he was like, I, he was so angry that I said that to him. And he was like, why did you say that? And I was like, it's an intense program where you wake up, you go to breakfast, and then you're in your major from like 8.30 until like... 12 o'clock then you go to lunch you come out you're in your minor mm-hmm. from like 2 until like 5 and then you go to dinner and then you go to rehearsal if you're in the arts so I'm like you don't have to like the other majors yeah, like after after lunch you hang out college, college. right yeah. you get to hang out do whatever but with us you have rehearsal so I'm like we didn't get to go to the luau party because yeah. like we were in rehearsal till 9 o'clock which means we got out of rehearsal and had an hour before it was lights out or right. we were locked down in our rooms so you didn't get to do any of that other stuff so I was literally like I don't you you hate when we have a crazy rehearsal session like that for our shows. Yeah, so you're, you're not, not going to be right for that. You know, so it's one of those things of like, or then also like, I hate to mention this, but 
crazy parents also play a factor with certain things. Like, oh, is your parent going to bring you on time? Are they going to argue about the we, costume? We like, have that issue. We have that issue. And so I also choreographed this nonprofit organization um, comprised of kids about, like, 9 to 17 years old who are... Perf- who are also professional yeah, um, industry kids, Broadway, industry movie, kids, Broadways, movies, TVs, yeah. whatever, and they come together and it's a nonprofit and they rehearse, you know, um, a couple times a month and then they go out and they do events anywhere from um, like national anthem, at like Yankee Stadium to openings to political events to you know children's children's hospitals, like smaller events at children's hospitals. So anyway. We have a couple kids where this is the issue, and we have one in particular who is extremely talented, and she's been with the group for years, probably since she was about nine years old. I've been with the group for years now, and she's extremely talented and extremely successful. She's worked a lot, and I think she's about like 14 or 15 right now, but mom in particular, dad's, dad's pretty lovely to be honest, but dad's not home a lot for business reasons um but mom the one taking mom in particular Mm. is very difficult to handle extremely extremely difficult she will not bring her daughter to rehearsals and then expect that she gets solos oh no and (laughs) or she will not show up to any of the monthly rehearsals or do like the smaller or the outreach events but then the second there's like a big high profile event she signs yeah she like signs her daughter up and it's one of those things where it's like we never want to punish the child. That is not what we are there to do. And I understand this girl's stupid talented, but unfortunately, it doesn't set a good tone if we just keep letting her do whatever she wants and have whatever she wants. Because I have to answer to those other parents because and kids. she's talented. And can she? Can because she's so talented? Can she swoop into a rehearsal after not being around for months and pick up something like that? Yeah, she can. Of course, but it's not fair. And so I think with the whole thing with favorites is knowing is like picking quote unquote favorites when it's not about do I like the kid or not, but it's about all we talked about, their worth ethic, what they can handle, Mm -hmm. what they're ready for, how much we can push them, what they're interested in. I think that's different when you have things like these conferences and conventions and stuff like that, I think is super important to take into consideration all those factors. And follow through with other people. Because I know that's one thing, like, check in with other people. Because I know that's one thing, um, another good friend of mine, Lisa, when we were working on the dance team together, we would get ready to pick somebody for something. And she would she, she would know in her mind who she wants. And she would immediately be like, how do you feel about this person? And I would be like, absolutely. I'd be like, mm, well, what about this person? And she's like, cool, let's test them out. Let's because have an audition. She, yeah. Because she she's like, like mind. you know who you want, but like I think that's if ever as far as our next part, like is it fair and how do you kind of like work through it and deal with it? As a teacher or choreographer, have other people check in. Have other people, mm-hmm. you know, like I have friends that I trust where I'll be like, look at this video. Like send them a video of the kid or like even with solo or competition pieces that like, or people p- you're picking for solos. Like if you feel like someone is a favorite and you feel like am- you're concerned that you're not being fair to the other students... Have, like, have, give them an opportunity or chance to be seen by another teacher and have their input and see what they say. Yeah. Because nine times out of ten, they're going to say the same thing yeah. or they're going to tell you, what like, why? why didn't you pick that kid in the back? We actually have, we, we go through this a lot with um, the auditions for this nonprofit organization is because sometimes 
one or multiple parties that's part of the staff so we have you know artistic director vocal director myself i choreograph and then we have like the assistant director then we have like someone that comes in and she kind of helps with everything she's like the assistant for vocals and choreography and just like helps with so we have a couple of different people on staff and so sometimes these auditions will come up and a kid you know some of us one or some of the staff will know one of the kids auditioning through are they already your student have you worked with them on a show before do you know the parent because of whatever x y and z and sometimes it does like that is why honestly we don't just have a choreographer an artistic director and a vocal director but we also have assistants and people that come in and help because we have had times where it's like Yep, we can take this, like, yes, you're right, this kid that you talked about was amazing, let's take them. Or, Mm -hmm. I didn't see it. I didn't see it in the audition. Right. So, if you're telling me it's there and none of us saw it, maybe we need to bring them in for a trial. Mm -hmm. Or, like, you know what, that audition was, like, I got a bad vibe, I didn't like how they behaved, like, I don't know what you see, but, like, this isn't going to mesh with the rest of the group. I haven't seen them in years, how are they going to, you know, like, what do we have here? So, I think it's a very tricky slope, I think. It's ridiculous for somebody to say that they don't have favorites and they never do favorites because it exists everywhere. And I, again, it's going to happen. Like, point blank, like, you're always going to have your favorites. And that's fine, but just being careful of and cautious of, like, yeah, like, you know, I have to open up my eyes sometimes and go, like, you know what? No, like, I can't have this person do this again because that's the 15th thing I've asked them to do and it's not fair to another kid. I typically do that. I was like, this, I cannot use you again. No, this person. Yeah. I'm I'm definitely good about doing that too. It's like, you just had a solo. Or, like, usually I'll be choreographing multiple pieces at one time and I'll be like, you are doing, no, I'm not featuring you again. Right, and that's the thing is, like, sometimes I think that also takes... A learning curve because I didn't used to do that. I used to have the same person mm-hmm. be front and center for every dance and be like, oh, I know I can trust this person. And then I was like, can't just always do that. Yeah. So let's talk about typecasting because we've been talking a lot about favorites. And so typecasting, it feels if I, some people feel like this doesn't happen a lot in dance and it's more on the music theater side. I will agree, it's a lot in music theater. But it also happens a lot in the dance world as well, where people are not often aware of it. Um, particularly, the ballet world is rampant. Um, mm-hmm. Even in certain like modern or contemporary, or even like hip hop pieces, it's kind of a thing. And it can, it can boil, typecasting can boil down to body type. Mm-hmm. Um, that happens a lot in the hip hop world. It can boil down to body type. Height. Height is another huge is another huge thing. Or your look, because depending on the artist, you can look like the talent or you can not look like the talent depending yeah. on what they want. Beyonce yeah. is one of those, depending on what she's doing, she wants girls that look just like her or very yeah. similar body type and shape even, shape, even down to like the hair yeah. or weaves that they give them, whatever, for the performances. Like when during the whole single ladies phase, they were okay, all they tall all women of like the exact same body type with legs, the bump, you know, curves. like... It was a set type. It wasn't changing. It wasn't moving. Like, I had a couple friends audition. was like, I just auditioned to go because I was too short. I knew I wasn't going to make it in for this. Yeah. You know? But then, I'm not, she went through another phase. I think it might have been formation, the lemonade phase, where, like, she wanted girls of different heights and shapes and things like yeah, that. Yeah, it depends what you're working on. Um, I think that... So, at least from my experience as a choreographer, sometimes I will go in being like, okay, like... For this show or this piece, I I have an idea of what I want it to look like. Mm -hmm. And the majority of the time at the audition, I am looking for that. 
Now, that doesn't mean that I keep my eyes open and I'm not like, ooh, that person surprised me. I love, right. like, I love a good surprise. I love it. I love a good surprise. But the thing is, like, when you are creating, a lot of times there is an idea you, you have in your head and you're like, and it's because mm-hmm. you're like, I know how this can look and I know how good it can look. Um, and adjusting it, again, choosing to adjust it or choosing not to adjust it just depends on the circumstances because I, yeah. was, I was telling Danielle about um, a it's a pot of duh that's on point for the girl but it's it's oh, I'm hearing Spanish music but I can't think of the name of it but typically it's a it's a guy and a girl girls on point but the girl is like super tall mm-hmm. and the guy is super short and so when they're like into in the tango position close together and she's on point walking, mm-hmm. like he can barely grab onto her. And so that it's just a it's a comedic piece that's like, like that's very well loved. But that is a point. Yeah. And so I've seen a couple studios try to do it where they don't have a tall girl and a short guy and it doesn't work. It loses the comedic timing mm-hmm. of it. And so it's one of those things of like that has to be typecasted. We need a taller girl for it, you know? Yeah. Or um I went to college in Florida, and so we constantly have people doing Disney auditions down in Orlando. Um, and, like, even here in the city. Yeah. Disney knows their types. They know what they know what will fit into a costume. Well, the so, best thing that you can remember, because I did, I did a Disney cruise audition once, like, way back when, when I first moved back after college. And the best advice, the best thing I was ever told about Disney, and it's true, is they are looking to fill a track. Yes. Their costumes are already made, and they're not yes, making they a new costume for you. No, they are not. <laughs> like, and that choreography and that scene, that stuff's already set, and they're not changing it for you. So the best advice yeah. is, like, you want to go, go in knowing, knowing that there are specific tracks available, and yes. they're not also, Disney doesn't, will not tell you what the tracks are. No, they will not. <laughs> there are specific tracks available, so if and when you get cut, it probably, 98% of the time, has nothing to do with your actual, like, dancing ability. It's very true, because the thing, especially, Disney is a huge, and this is something that, like, I guess we kind of do need to talk about this in length on an episode, but, like, there are some, like, wild old entertain, entertainment industry machines yeah. that you're not creating the mold. You're not going to break them all. Set. It's already there. It's set. You just kind of slip into it. And enjoy your time there. Disney's one of those. Because Cinderella looks the same in Disney World, Disneyland, yeah. Disney Shanghai, Disney, Disney Paris. Paris. Like, oh, yeah. it, she will be the same in every single one. And there, Disney is even so particular that you will never see the same character at the same time. Yes. You will never see two Mickey Mouses at the same time. And I, we have friends that are stage managers that, like help with that it is a logistical night which is why they hire stage managers because it's a logistical nightmare yeah. but it's been doing it's done part for of years. what makes the magic exactly right and it's part of like i mean think about think about if you were a kid and you went to disney world in florida and you saw a cinderella mm-hmm. and then you went to disney world in shanghai and the cinderella looked different you'd cinderella be like, had red hair you'd be like reason. where why but cinderella is one person and you have to think of, especially in terms of Disney, it's all about the magic. So while yes. someone might sit there and go, that's unfair, they're not giving equal opportunity, 
X, Y, and Z. It's not about that. And right. you know what? You need to just be okay with it. That's like, really I'm it. sorry. Like, you, maybe someone's going to react poorly to this episode of me saying that. But, like, it it's is about it is. the magic. And it's about the, the magic for the children. So, at the end of the day, it's not about you and you wanting an equal opportunity employer. In it's that not, sense. In the exactly. sense of how you physically look for something that's been already created. Because, like, it's, um, I had a friend that was dying to be Snow White, but she was not pale enough. That's just yeah. the heart, like. I will tell and you. She was not pale, and she was the right height. And what, wig and makeup, everything, she looked like her, except for her skin tone was not The right. only roles no. I am suited for at Disney, the only three roles, I guess, are Mickey, Minnie, and um, Tinkerbell. I yeah. am actually, I'm actually half an inch or three quarters of an inch too short to even be Wendy. Because that's yeah. how specific it is. I could yeah. only ever be Mickey, Minnie, or Tinkerbell. That's it. Those are the only costumes I would fit into because I am as short as I am. If I was half an inch or three quarters of an inch taller, I could be Wendy. I could be Peter Pan. I could, But I can't because I'm too short. And it's one of those things of like... Again, they're going to always use their magic or their company, their brand, their logo over you as an individual. And it's one of those things that, like, the industry is what's not for the, the faint of heart. What's the um, the expression where it's like, oh, obviously, if, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And, and that's Disney and that's broke what it is. in no way, shape, or form. Because so, it's like, we have a friend of ours, he constantly ends up having to play Goofy just because of how tall he is. Yeah. And it's one of those things of, like, you can't fix your height like that's something you can't do about it. you can't change your skin tone you know like um a friend was like i really want to play pocahontas and i was like i love you but you're too dark you won't be and pocahontas. only to a degree can you even change your body like your build yes and that's an, and that, we've talked about that um before in episodes where we're like if you're a curvy girl you're a curvy girl if you got button boobs you got button boobs yeah. if you're a round dude you're a round dude if you're tall and bulky you're tall and bulky if you've got a thigh gap you've got a thigh gap you know if like, you don't you're not gonna get a thigh gap no matter right, what right, infomercials right. and instagram tries to sell you you don't have a thigh gap now you're not getting a thigh gap this is not how that's not built. the way your hips are built it's, it's how your body is and built I, and so like if you go back to the question of is it fair no it's not fair does but it matter? Does it my matter? My follow-up is, does it no, matter? No, because it's it's a business. It's an industry. And even putting Disney aside, there are other shows where it's like, well, this character is, it's you know, if it's something like a period piece or it's just been done oh, forever, yeah. it's like, well, this character always looks a certain way and you know what? It works. So again, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Or, I mean, and that, ha- that happens all, like, um... Perfect, um, switching to music theater and, like, ensemble and dance tracks and things like that. Like, Legally Blonde, she's gonna always be a petite blonde woman. The lead girl. The ensemble is always going to be cheerleaders, essentially, you know? Or, like, there's there's certain tracks and roles and things that, like, there really isn't a lot of adjustment room for And the other thing, too, is, like, say, like, say, Um, use use Elle Woods for an example, okay? mm -hmm. Say you go into, she's blonde. It's a big part of her character. Say you're not blonde and you go into an audition and you, like, kill it. Could they always wig you or dye your hair? Yes. But if you are standing next to someone who is blonde and honestly maybe is a little less talented than you, they're going to choose the blonde because it's going to cost them less money. It costs them money to wig you or dye Dye your hair. hair. And some choreographers, I'm one of those, I do not like 
I'll let, depending on what our budget is, I do not like wigging dancers unless I have no choice. Yeah. So, in especially in a, a situation like that, like I was saying, I've done a couple um, excerpts from Chicago, and Roxy doesn't have to be a blonde. Like, there doesn't have to be any color distinguishing. There isn't in the show. But typically, Roxy is blonde because she's an ingenue type. Have you ever, and think about it, not and about it, have you ever, ever seen a blonde Velma? Ever. In any production once. you've ever seen, ever. And she's been in this, on Broadway, she's been in the show forever, and she is phenomenal. And I think Roxy, at the time, wasn't a blonde. Mm. So it worked out. But, like, it's a Myra, oh my god, what's her name? A Myra, she's a beautiful, tall, blonde woman. But, but she's that's like, the only one. She, and to be fair, she's Stunning, but, but she's been doing the show for so long. But it's but she's the, she's only, the only one. one. And think about how many other only people audition. So how, right, it's it's like I, it's hard for me because as someone who grew up in the industry and majority of my life in musical theater, like yeah, there's stuff that like is really unfair and it really it's heartbreaking. Sucks. And it's heartbreaking and it's not fair because you might be more talented than the person next to you, but you were too tall or you were too short or you were too small or you were too big or your hair was the wrong color or the wrong texture but it literally does come down to that yeah and that's one of those things that like the reason why i say it's like heartbreaking because like i have been in positions where literally it was like it was a black it was me a tall black guy dancer with dreads or i look like i have dreads but dreads and like two other guys, we had the exact same build. We all had this, like we all had dreads or like longer type hair. And we were all called back, but we all kind of looked at each other as like, the likelihood of them picking all three of us isn't very high. Now, the, un the younger unfair of me was like, racism. The choreographer in me goes, if I pick more people of the exact same type, I'm setting a trend, do I want that? Mm -hmm. Yay or nay, and other opinions, you know, you can feel about how you want. And that particular situation, it was a race thing, but not a racist thing. Mm -hmm. Where it was like, I don't, I don't need that. We're saying, what are we saying about this particular world if we have three guys that look exactly like the same? That just doesn't happen, you know? So it's one of those things of like, it can be very disheartening. But again, sometimes it just has nothing to do with yeah. the talent that you brought in There's the There's even been times where I've choreographed shows that I don't have a say in the casting necessarily oh yeah and yeah. i had in mind somebody i wanted for a particular role and i was convinced in my head they were going to get that part i'm like they can sing it they can act it they can dance it they look like the way i envision it yep and then that casting notice goes up and i was like that is not someone i envisioned <laughs> and sometimes right. i'm even like they're not as talented as the person who really should have gotten this role but then you start to honestly work with them and maybe at first you're like a little hard about it because like I have been that person where I'm a little hard about it and I'm like, I don't like you. Like already off the bat, I'm like, I don't like you only because I you got someone choice. out. Yeah, you, <laughs> you were not my, my choice. choice. But at the end of the day, it wasn't my choice. But then I go through the process and I, I realize there is a reason why casting chose this person and I didn't have to like it and I didn't like it at the beginning. But at the end of the day, it actually did make sense for the whole project as a whole. And see, so there was one project in college where I was choreographing a, a segment, and I knew who I wanted 
for this lead for the to like be the soloist that was also singing because it was a Fosse number. So only the soloist is singing and dancing. Yeah, I know who I want it. I can't go into details because I know that these people listen to the show, but I know who I want it for it. And I told the director, I was like, "This is what I want." He was like, "Cool, not a problem. It's her." Who is your, you know, who is your ensemble? Who you're filling out? Mm-hmm. So I picked all my people. I gave him my stuff. I was like, cool, my part's done. I'm out. Next day, he like calls me into his office. He's like, so in the midst of putting, it was a review. He's like, in the midst of putting this giant, giant review together, this person I needed to give two other solos to. She can't have three, mm-hmm. so I had to pick a different lead for yours. This person is not a dancer, and I was like. While I don't have a problem with that, this dancer was all, this person was also a bigger body type. And I'm like, we're all in Fosse clothing. So we're in like lingerie. And I was like, and leotards. And, right. And I was like, is this person going, is this person going to be comfortable being in something form fitting? Is this person going to be comfortable with us like, you know, like rubbing all up and on them? I'm like, I don't know where this person's comfort level lies. That is my only hang up. And he was like, I'm going to post it and then we can have those conversations and we'll have, you know, if we need to have a backup plan, we'll have a backup plan. Yeah. Turns out it was totally fine, but I was definitely like, what? I, I went to bed one thing and woke up thinking another thing and I was completely like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think of another situation where I've had, um, like I was casting a show and... No, I was in, this is during my internship. I, the director had picked who he wanted and then he arrived in town and found that different people were picked because of contract negotiations. Because of like a, this much money or this person being booked and not being available for rehearsals. Yeah. So all of his, for like for this, I think two roles, his first choice were not accepted. His second choices were not accepted. He ended up having to go with his third choices. And he was very, very bummed out by that. But he was like, there's literally like nothing that I can do. Um, there's literally nothing that I can do because like I can't make people give up contracts. I can't make the theater come up with more money. Yeah. Turns out we still had a really great show. But it's one of those things of like so many factors go into casting and things like that that I just... Don't get disheartened, but don't be delusional either, is what I say when it comes to casting choices. Yeah. And, yeah, like, just don't be delusional about it. I think it's probably the best way to just kind of put it. Yeah, it's, it's, so, like, and don't be delusional in in terms of, like, so say, I was giving this example to Tony before we started recording, say you're going into audition for a production of a chorus line mm-hmm. and you're well versed in a chorus line you know the whole thing if you are well versed in, in a chorus line then you know that each character has a specific body type yeah. and role that they are supposed to fulfill Sheila is always supposed to be the tallest woman yes Connie is always supposed to is usually Asian American and, and shorter if anything mm-hmm. shorter um what's her face I can't think of her name right now um what's her stereotype I'll probably know it um Awesome. She, sings, she sings tits and ass. Val. Val. Val is usually blonde. And funny that you mentioned that. I just saw uh, City Center uh, Theater here in New York just did a revival of it. And their Val was an Asian woman. But 
all the other stereotypes about that character were the same. Yeah. It was still because Val is supposed, uh, she sings a song, Ticks and Ticks and Ass, because she had plastic surgery done yes. on her. She was a big breasted yeah. woman. Like, it, it also was interesting to see not a blonde, but I was still that person being like, every Val I've ever seen is a blonde. So is, How do I feel about I, this? And I, she won me over. Right. But like, I know that it was a lot of people in the audience who were like, no, she's not my Val. But she's my not thing is, like, you you, you turn up in there and you can sing and dance the shit uh, out of that. I'm like, I'm like, I don't care what you look like. But my point being, if you were to go into an everyday audition for a chorus line mm-hmm. and you're sitting there and you know that you don't fit any of those molds for those leads and you're expecting to get cast because you're like, but I know I can dance rings around people nine times out of ten you're not getting cast because you don't fill the mold. And again, is it fair? No, but it's part of this business. Is something you, but you can go to any business in the world. Finance, hotel, hotel industries, teaching. You can go to any industry in the whole world. There's always going to be things that are unfair and there's always going to be like roles, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. that people, that people just assume go with this title. Oh yeah. So, and it's one of those things that, so, um, I don't think I ever talked about it. I actually do work for City Center, and I have a problem saying this, because I, I do workshops for them, so I'm constantly in and out. But a note, uh, the thing for their shows is their shows are only over the course of a weekend. So their rehearsal period is like, it's like being on speed. Like, you're, it's such a yeah. like, you get this much time, go. So for a chorus line, such a dance-heavy show, part of the requirement is that you would have to have done a chorus line before. Because they didn't have time to teach. Because they don't have time. They don't have time to teach you from scratch. Yeah, and a, a lot, lot of that, that a lot of that comp- right is, is like set the stone, you ain't touching it. Yeah, uh, and the, the well, the original the choreographer for most big productions of a chorus lines is by Yorkley, the original Connie. Yeah. So she ain't like she's good at what she does, and she's been teaching it forever. But it's one of those things. I'm like, there's not a lot of variation no. on it, and so knowing that requirement that. A lot of that company was pulled from national tours or big productions that are recently done. A lot of them were on the revival tour from 07, 08, around that time period. So a lot of them had did the show for two, three years of their lives. So it was just muscle memory re- redoing that. But that was a factor that I had some friends audition for, didn't know. I knew that because I worked, I'm like, when it, when the, in, in particular with this company, when they have a show that has a particular element that's very heavy, like particularly dance or a very difficult song, they're going to pull someone that's familiar with that show before. So I have they friends that audition, they don't have time. So I have friends that audition, I was like, you've never done a chorus line. Might be, no, might be fabulous. fabulous. And I was like, she would honestly make a really great Judy. If but they like, had six to eight or Christine. But right, if you had like a normal rehearsal period of like, Three, three to four weeks, five to you know, three to four or five weeks minimum. Sure, yeah. but I don't, I don't know their actual rehearsal time. I think it's like six, like less than sixty hours or something like that. Like it's an insane amount of time. Yeah, so like, you need people who already know the material. You now, never know these circumstances. I do want to talk about. You know, I feel like we've talked a lot about how favorites occur and it happens, and you need to be okay with it, and mm-hmm. it's going to be a thing, and here are the reasons why, and blah blah. blah. We talked a lot about that. The one place that I think that pulling favorites, that the one place where pulling favorites happens probably the most, and I think it actually sets you up for failure in, or just having a really hard time in the future, is college programs. Yes. So I do think yes. that, you know, um, yes. 
and at least I know from I know from when I was in college from having friends talk about their experiences. Students telling me this. Um, yeah, students yeah. telling me that college works a lot off of off of favorites. It, it's a lot of like, oh well, my you know ex professor is the director, and I get along with them the best, and so therefore you know I'm going to take this. I'm going to give this person the role. But, or another big one that happens is age typecasting. I have I I have always yeah. had facial hair and looked like I've always been in my late twenties and my early my late twenties, early thirties since about eighth grade. I've always looked older. I've never I've always sat right there in that where I'm currently am now in life. I pretty much looked like this since like high before high school. So I was never cast as the fresh faced juvenile. Mm -hmm. I never was because it was simply like they would always try to cast me at the fa as the father or the grandfather realize I was too goofy and then throw me in a bit part mm -hmm. like but I was never if you just look at me I was never cast as a young guy because I just didn't look it and a lot of college I have other friends that like women in particular if you look slightly older or you're taller you are immediately going to be the grandmother, the mother. And the issue, so this is a lot of this is, again, kind of twofold because I understand where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. But then you go through go through college only playing these older roles, mm -hmm. getting really good at that type of material, and that's what's on your resume. And then you leave college, and you're not being cast as a mother when you're actually only 21 years old. And I will, I'll use an example. I don't mind sharing this her name because she shared it on her own podcast, but the actress Amber Iman. When she was in college, she's like, I stayed playing grandmas and, you know, mamas and things like that. And she's like, I felt like I was going to be an old lady for the rest of my life in college. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, I graduate. And she's like, I ain't been nothing but ingenues. Yeah. And the only, she's a taller woman. That is it. But she's like, doesn't look. And it's one of those things of in college, you're in a contained bubble. Yes. And then you hit the real world. Where I just, I remember a casting director telling me this at a workshop. She was just like. If I want an old woman, I'll go get an old woman. It's plenty of Meryl yep. Streep's out there. That's just how she put it. You know, she was like, you don't have, like, in college, your talent pool is so small, or even you in lesser in high the, schools. You need you the 21-year-old to play grandma. Right. You don't have that choice. Yes. You know, like, I remember when my school, my college did rat time, we had, it was just, the only role that we were able to hire out was grandfather. Grandfather, we actually hired in a local actor to play grandfather just so he would look older mm -hmm. than the kids we had playing parents. You yeah. know, so he was like, we really needed, we, and we didn't want to age and somebody that, up. That works like, you know, multiple ways because if you get used to playing these older characters and that t those types of songs mm -hmm. and everything, you are going to have a very hard time when you're um, auditioning in the real world. Another thing that happens a lot in colleges is cross. Um, cross-major auditions yeah. and how a lot of times directors don't want to give someone from another major an opportunity. Yep. I, when I was a junior or senior in college, that the, is school, a very real thing. the school of music was doing a production of Carousel and I went in and I love that show, love it. So I went in, I auditioned, I got called back for the role of Louise. Something I assumed I would be called in for because I was a dance major mm -hmm. who could sing and act. And the role of Louise doesn't sing at all. At mm -hmm. all. She actually really only needs to dance and be okay at acting. So I was like, I assumed I'd get called in for it. I did get a call back for it. 
and we go through the callback and everything and I remember I felt really good about it. I got a good vibe from the director. I could do all the choreography they were asking. They had they actually had hired somebody in to do choreography. They didn't even mm. pull they didn't even pull like a professor from the dance department or a grad student from the dance department. They hired somebody in and it was great. But at the end of the day, I ended up being being given an ensemble role. And because they were like, well, we know, I can't even remember her name. I think her name was like Nicole. I think her name was Nicole. And they were like, well, we know Nicole because she's a school of music um, student. And she's not, you know, they were, you were a way better dancer. And there were actually some other people who were better dancers. But we know her. We've worked with her before. So she's going to get this, elite, this, you know, supporting lead. And my problem is with that is like, Rage. You go then. There's also times where like you'll go through college, always getting a role, always being a lead or a supporting, and you're gonna leave college, and you should never have been given that role to begin with. Two really great stories on both those points that Danielle just made. The first of which is the interdepartmental, cross departmental thing. Um, in particular, I so in when I was in college, we were doing the musical chess. And there's the song One Night in Bangkok where they're like all the hookers and ladies of the night. We pulled in a bunch of dancers. They came, they did they had the time of their lives. They're like, we're in one number, we get to wear fancy costumes. Right. They loved it. It was right. a great time. So I all that was my first introduction really into cross departmentalizing in college and I was like, This is great. I was recently at a school teaching a music theater workshop for a chorus line actually. <laughs> to both dancer, the dance department, and the MT department, and they were combined together, you know, for it. And I was speaking with the dance teacher, and I was like, oh, well, do you guys do shows? Like, what goes on at school? She said, oh, yeah, we have a dance concert, but also the MT department is doing hairspray in the spring. I said, oh, my God, why don't you have your dancers mm-hmm. be a part of hairspray? Because, first of all, you need a huge cast, and you can't racially blind your cast. No, so you can't. So, your black people got to be your black people. Your non-black people got to be your non-black people. And preferably white, because <laughs> preferably the whole thing white. is about, it's about race. racism involved. So, I'm, and the dance department had a good mix of children of all color. And I was like, these could easily be your filler in. So, like, I'm thinking, you can't stop the beat, cr- nicest kids in town. Yeah, Corny Collins. Kind of there's right. so much. All, there's so, like, Hairspray is such a dance show that can be very hard or easy, depending on what you've got. But a huge cast, and they have a huge, lovely space. So I mentioned it to the dance teacher, and she's like, oh, my God, that sounds like a great idea. And I'll mention it to the MT teacher. And so I mentioned it to the MT teacher as well, and she immediately got defensive. Mm-hmm. And I was like, she was like, well, no. And I was like, we do, of course, again, it's your program. I just thought, you know, want to pass yeah. on this idea to you. And I was like, well, why do you have... She's like, well, my kids train in all three, so they'll be in all three. And I was like... Well, I'm sure the dancers don't want to sing, so of course pull your leads from your cast. But yeah. like you and Grant, I only saw her eighth grade class. I don't know how many kids she has for seventh or sixth grade, but it's like you could literally like have a very full group that they only have to come in and learn one or two numbers, or they could learn with the dance teacher. Yeah, and then the, your leads get plugged in. Plug in. But she was very, de- very that, against that. And that is very what, against and it. that's what I've seen the most is especially in colleges, is professors going, no, well, this this is a theater show. This is not a dance show. Like, how, like they, wouldn't, they wouldn't know. They get very territorial, and I yeah. don't understand why. And I actually... I Personal will, egos. I will take That's credit my for this. When I was in college, I was, one of the, I was a dance major, 
but I grew up doing musical theater and I still wanted to do it in college. You know, I left college thinking I still wanted to audition. So I was one of the first dance majors to go, I'm going to go on the theater auditions. I also yeah. took voice lessons still in college. And I was just like, I'm a dance major, but like I'm taking acting classes as some of my like core, non-core dance classes. And I'm also taking vocal lessons as an elective. So I was one of the first ones to go, I am going to go audition for these shows. And at first it was very like, well, what? Like, how could you, what are you talking about? And now they actually do a way, a lot more collaboration from what I've heard. And like, I am going to take credit that because it was also one of my professors that she was the first one to go, well, this is something, you know, Danielle always grew up doing and she wants to do. Like, why can't you have her audition? And she's now the head of the dance department. So that definitely helped. And she also, my senior year, choreographed the theater productions of Rent, the theater department's production of Rent. Yeah. So that collaboration started happening toward the end of my college career. But I never understood why it became so territorial. It was, it because was see, I went through this as twofold like I met dancers that like we want to do music theater like one of the girls I danced with Jenna was a dance major and she don't been in so many music theater shows right like right now she's touring with somebody's cruise ship singing and dancing somewhere wherever you're at Jenna I love you um but like she like she was like oh I'm a music theater person like my goal is Broadway but she was a dance major mm -hmm. so hearing that you don't have to be MT major to want that was new to me but I understood it but also I went through that a lot of the times where like my MT program was housed in the School of Music. And so, like, they gave me a lot of music classes. But then I would be like, oh, there's a dance class I really want to take or acting class. So, mm -hmm. like, get, like, there would be times where, like, the rehearsal for the musical would start. But dance, advanced level dance classes weren't out. So, like, I got yelled at by a stage gotcha. manager once. Because they're like, you should be in rehearsal. And my professor was looking at her like, why are you interrupting my class? And she kind of, like, jumped back. Because, like, there were, like, glass walls so you could see into the classroom. And so she kind of just saw me dancing. And so she came in and just kind of started barking stage managerly. But mind you, we were in jazz three. So like class was not, we were mid-class. So my professor was not happy. Yeah. So my professor like bit her head off and then she apologized. So all of this is happening. I still have like 30 to 40 minutes of class left. I finish class, immediately like run up the ramp to the theater, like still in a tank top and like Spanx. Yeah. And I'm like, what is going on? Everyone is yelling and angry. I know I put this conflict on my paper, even if I didn't. Guys, right. look at my schedule. I cannot not take my class. Right. And I was, I was also a dance minor. But I was like, could not not take my class. And that's when the depart, like, the departments had to start, like, talk with each other and be like, everybody apologize. But it was definitely one of those situations where they were like, oh, we need to talk to each other more so we know what's going on. Yeah. Or, like, when the dance department didn't understand why theater department would be gone for, like, a week and a half because we would go to SCTC. Right. Uh, up as we would go to the theater conferences that are like a week long right. and they're all at the same time period. So the dance department's like, you've missed so many classes, you're going to fail. I was like, all of these are excused. <laughs> I had my, my oh. BFA concert. I um, actually had one girl in it who was a dance minor and I don't know, something else was her major. I want to say it was like sociology or psychology or mm -hmm. something like that. Anyway, and I really didn't have many classes with her but a friend of a friend, like, did take a class with her. And this was a girl who grew up dancing her entire life, did competition dancing, got to college, and was like, I want to explore this, but I still want to be a dance minor because I loved it. She came out to the audition, and she was good. And she yeah. gave me everything I needed, and she did my choreography the way I wanted to see it. So, yeah, I did cast her. 
But I do think in college, it's very bizarre to be like, you cast a minor or you casted someone that's in a different department. Had, like, um, how dare you? But why? Why is that such a thing? It, well, because so um, my college, we were a modern school. We are like, and if oh, any, same. We were in modern school, same. So like, we had Mueller technique, we yeah. had uh, release technique and floor work, and then we had a gram, and we like, we are modern, 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 modern. Yeah. Every teacher there taught modern in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, that was my school. Um, but one year, our head of our department had wanted to do a ballet piece. And this is like my freshman year, maybe. So I wasn't even in the department. I didn't join the department until my sophomore year. But my freshman year, he did a, a ballet piece where girls were on point. And a lot of our girls, like, don't do point at all. They, like, they left that life behind. But a minor, a girl, like, I don't even know if she was a minor or was just a girl at the school, at the, that went to our college that had taken point at studio for years. And so she was in one of the main stage productions in the ballet piece because she danced on point before. And I, I heard some very nasty things said, said. And I'm like, but you don't even dance point. Yeah. So I just... I would say, again, real world typecasting, feel what you need to feel, but embrace it and accept it what it is. Mm-hmm. College typecasting, every professor that hears this is going to hate me. It don't matter. Yeah. You're going to redo your whole everything after you graduate anyway. anyway it's so and then, true. Like, so I just... There's so many things. So, I mean, we've talked about this on so many episodes, but the amount of times I've seen people come in star-eyed and bushy-tailed 21-year-olds just graduated. I'm always the lead in my department and I'm like, wow, you have no idea what's happening in the real world. Like, you can't even follow the the dance call right now. Because in college, a lot of it is spoon-fed to you. And part of that is because it is an educational purpose. But I think that there needs to be like a like a stark difference. Like, I... Saying this is an educational thing, you are going to be spoon-fed more versus like, oh my god, you're so amazing, and, and life's going to be so easy for you once you graduate. Make those connections with people that are in the industry. Yeah. That is what I say, because like I said, I have some good people to me in college just be like, because I used to get very upset with typecasting type things that would happen within my own department, and literally just one of my professors, she was just like, ignore, because they were, I got a lot of hate because I was choosing to dance more than just do music more. And she was like, when you graduate, you're going to use every skill that you have mm-hmm. to make money and survive. Thank goodness. Like, thank goodness I listened to her and took as much dance as I could. Because I am currently teaching so many different yeah. dance styles to pay my bills and, like, living a very comfortable life. Because I d- wasn't afraid of taking a modern class instead of taking theory two and three yeah. and all that other I stuff. Just, I just, again, the favoritism in college, the typecasting... I already feel the type of way about. But the favoritism in college of being like, they're my favorite student, whatever, that is one of those, that is a venue, the college, like, venue that I I don't, I'm not okay with favoritism in any way, shape, or form because it is also supposed to be educational, so you should be giving people fair chances. Yes. So when it does come to the collegiate level, I'm not okay with any sort of favoritism. It just, it and does not. And I think not... it hinders you as a performer when you try to leave college. It does. And to the ones that are are the favorites, I would say be prepared for the reality check. Mm-hmm. Try to stay as humble as you can, even though it's hard for those four years of getting your head boosted. To the ones that aren't the favorites, are not getting typecasted, just know that college ends. Yeah. And that 
that may not be the exact same thing even when you graduate. And that goes to even colleges here in New York City. Oh. When you... I'm not talking about, like, specific schools. I'm talking about in any, every any college. school. <laughs> every single st- student I've worked for, friends Even I've certificate had. programs. Like, the, yeah. it's just understand that, like, college is college. And those type of casting things will be very different once you graduate. And then your type will change. Like, that's a whole other episode. Oh, yeah. But, like, your type can drastically change because, I mean... Just quick reference, Mail Street was the ingenue, now she's the leading lady. Mm-hmm. So over the course of several years, like, completely changed. Yeah. But we need to move right along, because this week's episode, we're going to hear our 60-minute mark. I'm quite certain. Woo! Um, we didn't, I didn't even realize we were in here that long. But let's move right along to I'm Sorry What, or I Love Dance. But for me, all of my students are in Regents Testing mm-hmm. last week and this week. So I basically have been at work doing nothing. I shouldn't say doing nothing, but I've been prepping for our upcoming shows. So I actually really haven't even taught a lot of classes. So I have no moments um, for you. I have people. a kind of I love dance, but um, recently I submitted a piece at work to this big festival that's being performed from... And pieces are picked from all the different schools in the network, and there are all these different genres that are picked, not just dance. And I truly thought my my girls had, like, a really strong chance. I thought they worked so hard. Their dance was clean. It really played to an emotional, emotional and, like, very social um, prevalent thing right now. So in society, so I was like, this is going to be great. And, of course, on the guidelines for the submission, it's like, there is no theme, there is no um, whatever, so like submit your best work. I was like, fab, submitted my best work. Only three pieces got picked. Now mind you, this is three pieces out of like, I think there's between like 15 and 18 now. So I don't, I understand that. Like, you know what I mean? Like only three got picked and I I watched some of the other videos that were submitted because they lived in a semi-public area where I could access it. And there was a lot of amazing, amazing mm-hmm. work presented. And I think that's awesome that everyone really put their best foot forward. So I don't feel bad necessarily about not getting chosen because everyone submitted some really great stuff. But the thing was the person who had the end-all be-all say in picking what pieces get into this big showcase, definitely when I saw what pieces got picked, which were all great, but definitely took a direction of I want them to be super technically heavy because at least for me, my piece was way more like modern contemporary. And by technically heavy, I mean like leaps and turns and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And all the pieces were more upbeat and um, feel good. Mine was not. Mine had a very social. I did a piece to Glory by John Legend. It had a very social mm-hmm. meaning to it. And I thought that the kids did an amazing job. So I saw what got picked and I was like, okay, so you did choose to go in a certain direction. Again, Maybe when we first started this, you were like, I don't have a theme in mind, blah, 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 blah. But part of me is like, listen, again, I'm super happy with what I submitted. I think mm-hmm. I did put my best my best work in, and it wasn't what you were looking for at that time. It's what we were just talking about, favorites. You had something in mind, you chose to go with it. What I get frustrated about is when you go, there is no theme, there is no genre, and then I see that every single piece that got picked, and not just from dance, but also from the other genres that will be in the showcase, are all very happy-go-lucky pieces. I go, no, part of you, you knew you wanted a certain type of show. And if you would have said that, I could have submitted another piece 
that played to the happiness. But I didn't. It's one of those things where, like, again, I love it's dance, a little. But I love dance, and, like, I get it. It's, like, me. I just talked about all this, like, favoritism happens, and, like, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm upset because that did happen because she wants a happy show, and my piece wasn't a happy piece. But I'm, like... I love dance, but if you do know a direction you want to go in, I'd rather you say it and save a lot of people time than saying, I don't have a direction. Everyone put your best foot forward, and then the majority of what's submitted to you is not what you wanted. Exactly. So, I'm just a little, you know, I'm more so bummed that I have to actually go back to work and tell the kids this week that their piece didn't get get selected, and, you know, they're little. That's going to be hard for them. So, moving right along to class shout-outs. My class shout-out goes to all of the dancers and choreographers that decided to go to class in single-digit weather. Oh, my God. Here in New York, we are, the cold finally hit us. No snow, knock on wood. But we've hit single digits over the last couple of days. Well, yes, I mean, we just lived in the negatives for, yeah. like, 48 hours straight. We, it's been kind of crazy here, and I'm not going to class in that kind of weather. Sorry, because, like... Old injuries flare up, and I am still, like, I still have to teach. I cannot, my body can't do it. Mm -hmm. So I have not been to class in the last week or so because of insanely cold weather. But Danielle has. (laughs) Yeah, I took a couple classes, um, and I kind of want to shout out all of them in terms of I think that they, the people who taught these classes, I think that they, um, worked with what was happening in the room. I think that they really tried to challenge the people who were taking the classes, but also make it accessible for everyone to do. So for instance, in I basically had an array of workshop of classes and one of the classes was a theater dance class. It was a theater piece and the choreographer teach and teacher, you know, that's what he does, but he also read the room. He knew that some of the people in that room taking the workshop were strictly African and hip-hop dancers and choreographers. They don't really delve a lot into the theater, contemporary, even modern world. So he made the piece challenging, but he also gave options and choices for you to work with certain things because he was able to tell that some of these dancers are not going to be able to do what I'm asking them to do because that's not what they do and their body's not used to it. But, like, what can you do that's going to look just as good as what I'm getting, giving to you? Um, So it was just, like, a really great... Um, day of workshops, just like really great energy. Everyone like they're supporting each other, trying their best and like just really nice to remember like why we dance and why we teach and like it's really mm-hmm. awesome as a teacher to be able to go take a class within yourself. I nice. would agree. Yeah. Well that's it for us. The curtain is closed on this episode but we hope that you will join us next week. And every week after that. We want to say especially thank you to our listeners. Our numbers keep growing and that's all thanks to you. Episodes come out every Tuesday. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play Music are perfect places to do that. You can find us on Facebook at Point Your Toes. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at PointPYT. You can email us at PYTNYC29 at gmail.com. I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. And I'm your co-host, Danielle Colangelo. See you next week on Point Your Toes, the adventures of an NYC dance teacher.